0: Well, James Madison is one of a few teams in women's college basketball still playing in April. Welcome in. Today is Tuesday, April 2nd. and This is another edition of the Rocktown Sports Pod. I'm Greg Medea, the Jamie football beat writer at the paper. And today, we'll, we'll start with Shane Metlin as James Madison women's basketball is in the middle of the WNIT tournament. A very nice run. I know it's not the tournament they wanted to be in. But it's a, a deep run in the postseason nonetheless. Shane, I'll kind of just start here. A couple of wins this past week, some some local flair to those games as well uh, with Jamie knocking off Virginia Tech and the highly anticipated return of Kenny Brooks and then knocking off Georgetown as well. What was the feeling in the building, I guess we'll start with with the game last week, before the, the one we talked about at length last week, but uh, I guess since it's kind of still fresh in people's mind, is is when Kenny Brooks came back to the convo. A uh, good game, 70-66 win for JMU. What was the emotion in the building? Can you kind of sum it
1: up and, and set the scene for what that was like? It was. kind of homecoming I think probably most people would have expected it was you know people showed their appreciation for what Kenny Brooks had done for the school you know as a player as a coach you know for a long time he was you know a JMU guy I think in his heart he still is a JMU guy um, but you know he grew up in the valley he you know went to college here coached here for a long time this place is very special to him and I think He's very special to a lot of people around here. He got you know the standing ovation and the recognition for 337 wins as JMU's coach and a nice a nice little presentation before the game and he you know shook a lot of hands with people he'd known for a long time and you know a lot of hugs all that stuff and then once the game began it was kind of what you would think anytime JMU plays Tech in sports, and that's always like a big deal. Yeah, for sure. That's
0: a rivalry kind of across the board whenever uh, JMU and Virginia Tech get together, no matter the start. We'll come back to that game in a bit. Uh, JMU, they're on to the WNIT semifinals. The the Georgetown game was a quarterfinal game. Uh, The semifinal contest will be tomorrow night, Wednesday, at 7 p.m. against Northwestern at the Convocation Center. I want to talk a little bit about the Wildcats. Uh, just just in terms of what they've done to get to this point of the tournament they've knocked off Dayton Toledo West Virginia and Ohio northwestern is 20 and 14 overall they had a nine and nine record in the big 10 they a good team how does Sean see it I know he had his press conference earlier today at O'Neill's
1: yeah they're a good team we've gotten down to the point where any of these teams left could have easily been in the NCAA tournament. And so, you know, we're, we're looking at that kind of qual caliber of, you know, this could have been a second round NCAA tournament game, you know, a lot of places, you know, things break a little bit differently. Um, and the teams that they've beaten to get to this point, you know, West Virginia, Ohio, those were teams that were kind of on the bubble for the NCAA tournament too. So they've had a nice run here along with James Madison, um, they're a talented team. They only went nine and nine in the Big Ten, but as you know, Sean was saying in his press conference, that was a very balanced league. After the top two teams, you know, Maryland and Iowa were you know top ten teams pretty much all season. After that, there was a lot of teams just kind of beating up on each other, um, which we kind of saw in the uh, CAA, both in the men's and the women's. You know, beyond the top couple teams, there was a lot of uh, parity. Um, so yeah, their team that have a lot of talent definitely at the top too um they had two first team all big 10 players and now they pick more than five for that first team i think they might have had like eight eight or nine i think on the media team but um still that's you know two of the top 10 players in the league are playing for northwestern in a very very tough conference um you know maybe they're not as balanced as jmu might be but um those two players uh lindsey pelham is their guard who is their leading scorer, about 16 points per game. Um, Is from the Washington, D.C. area, so kind of a little bit of a homecoming for her. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name of their uh, Nigerian center, but uh, she's also a double-double type uh, player. So um, those two, if they can slow them down a little bit, like they've slowed down a lot of other teams' best players when they've come to the Convocation Center, uh, they should have a pretty decent chance, but that's going to be the key.
0: Yeah so on the on the other side of the bracket just just kind of set it up uh, you got TCU and Arizona. So the winners of JMU Northwestern and TCU Arizona will meet in the championship game. And we'll come we'll come back to that in a few about whether or not JMU may host that championship game or not. They've hosted all the way through so far, just to catch you up. Uh, I know you know they've beaten Virginia Tech and Georgetown. I've already mentioned that. In the early rounds, JMU knocked off North Carolina AT and South Florida uh, to get to this point. And JMU now 29 and 5. And and here's here's something that's interesting: is they can get to 30 wins with a victory tomorrow night. I know there was disappointment a couple of weeks ago when Selection Monday came around and JMU was not not invited to the party, uh, so to say. But a 30-win season, no matter how you get there, is is really not an easy thing to do. Is that something that's being talked about among players with Sean?
1: How, how, how do you how do you kind of set that? Because that's that's a milestone-type win right there for a season. I don't know how much they're talking about that. They're not talking about it publicly a whole lot. It may be something they're talking about in their meetings and in the locker room and things. But, um, yeah, that's, that's a big deal. It would be a school record to uh, get to 30 wins. And, you know, 30 wins for any team is a big deal. But even on the women's side, there's not as many of those, you know, exempt preseason tournament things where – teams play more games and stuff i mean they've only played you know 34 games that's so you know you've got to uh do pretty well all year long to get to that point it's, it's not it's not easy and you know to win these four games you know have a chance to win five or six in this tournament that's something they that can probably build on for next year um you know we've talked a lot about the disappointment of not being in the ncaa tournament but there, there's a I think where the reality of that sets in, you know, you're in a one bid league, you know, maybe next year, it might not be just a one bid league, there's gonna be a lot of talent returning in the CAA. But, you know, I think the reality of that sets in pretty quickly, and you see the opportunity in front of you and, you know, to make a deep run, maybe sets them up for something a little bit bigger next year. Yeah, it seems like, you know, they got through those first two rounds pretty easy. And then there's some more intriguing opponents.
0: Maybe that adds to it too a little bit that, you know, you want to beat some of your rival schools, some schools in the area. Uh, and, and and we'll just go back to kind of the Virginia Tech game and talk about it just on the court and how it played out. Because it was a back and forth game, JMU, Virginia Tech, uh, tightly contested. What did JMU do well in that one to separate
1: enough and, and win the game? Um they played a really Really good offensive game. Their best offensive game of the tournament so far um, to get to 70 points. Um, they responded to every jam- or every uh, Virginia Tech run to. Um, you know, it wasn't so much. So many times this year, the opponent's leading scorer has come into the Convocation Center and had one of their worst games. That wasn't the case against uh, Virginia Tech. They um, they got uh, big. You know, performances from their two high scoring guards. Uh, Jamie did a pretty good job of keeping them off the boards, but um, I think did get out rebounded um, by a, a few. Um, it was it, it was a very close game statistically all the way through, but um, they warmed up in the uh, second half from three point range, and you know that was a big difference. And you know they were just kind of outplayed them. You know it wasn't any one particular thing they did pretty well um, all through the all through the categories. I know in your,
0: your story today, going on to the Georgetown game, uh, some some big boosts from the bench, uh, some nice contributions that maybe James Madison didn't see coming. How how would you kind of assess the bench playing? How some of these games in WNIT is helping some younger players maybe gain a little bit more experience that they wouldn't have gotten if it was an NCAA tournament or, uh, or a regular
1: season game? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, let's be honest. They're probably playing more games than they would have if they'd have been in the N C A tournament, you know, there's a good chance they were done by the end of the first weekend if they're in the NCA tournament. Um so, you know, somebody like Madison Green, who's a freshman, who has a good shot to be the starting point guard next year, um, she's getting more playing time. She's getting some minutes because Logan Reynolds is banged up and um also because Lexi is not there. So she's playing a little bit, you know, out of position at times, uh, you know, playing the two with Logan. And, um, you know, that's been pretty big for her just to get, you know, minutes in these key situations. Uh, Some of her bigger games this year had been maybe when, uh, like up at Maryland when Logan was hurt and, you know, they were never really in that game in the second half. And she, you know, had a big game. She put up some big numbers, played against really talented players and showed she could hang. But... It wasn't necessarily a pressure cooker situation at that point, whereas, you know, she came up with some big plays in the fourth quarter in the last two games. No, that's
0: that's interesting. Chances James Madison hosts the championship game? I know it's early, and you still got to wait and see what happens uh, tomorrow night. But say they move on and and play in the championship, uh, whether it's TCU or Arizona, do you give them a chance to host the championship game? You're talking about trying to outbid Power 5 schools uh, at this point. I know they did it with Virginia Tech, but maybe that was a little different circumstance with wanting to have Kenny back. But uh, any any chance they host a a title game?
1: I think there's a chance. um, It might depend on who wins that game. TCU has not been very aggressive of trying to get the home games in this tournament. So I would think JMU have a pretty good shot of outbidding them to uh, stay at home. But Arizona has been drawing great crowds. um, So that one could be a little bit of a battle as far as who gets to uh, host if it's, if it ends up being a JMU Arizona championship. Yeah, no, it
0: should should be interesting. And, all right, we're going to move the conversation along and talk a little softball. I thought by now we'd be well into the softball conversation. We've kind of lost a little bit, just because the women's basketball team has been going strong, and you can't you can't afford to miss a beat there. Uh, but James Madison softball still going on, 23
1: and six. Kind of what you expected early on, and and the, the early success for this team. Yeah, um, they've got some good non-conference wins, and then they got into CAA play, and they're you know kind of rolling along, five and one in conference, I think, at this point. Um, you know, you're you're going to take a loss or two every once in a while, just the nature of the sport. Um, but when Megan Good's been in the circle pitching for them, they've been very very tough to beat. Even even um, you know they had the game the other day against Towson where. The offense didn't show up for eight innings. They ended up finally getting uh, put a six spot on the board in the ninth. But, uh, you know, 17 strikeouts from Megan keeps them in that one until they can finally get some runs on the board. It's uh, When she's pitching, they have a chance to win against just about anybody. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right about that. And good to see uh, she's doing pretty well off
0: the injury that, that kept her out of last season. But... Uh, yeah, you, you go back to this past week, and they swept Towson. Good pitched in two of those games. Uh, 16 shutout innings, uh, two shutout wins, obviously, uh, both against the Tigers. 25 total strikeouts in the games, only three hits allowed, and only two walks surrendered. That's, I mean, that's that's next-level line type stuff if there was a next level for, for softball.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine how disheartening that is for Towson to know they're playing the best team in the conference, one of the better teams in the country, and they... Shut them out for eight innings, and they still can't, you know, get anything going against her. That uh, that's got to be tough to swallow when you're the opponent. Yeah, I think I think they've got I think
0: JMU they have Liberty tomorrow, and then uh, trip to Hofstra uh, this weekend. So Ho- Hofstra's a team that that's been pretty good in the past in softball. So busy week ahead for Shane as the WNIT rolls on. Uh, JMU softball in the thick of their season, uh, but but we'll transition now. Uh, Go to the high school, go to the prep level as baseball season well underway now. Uh, Bring in Cody Elliott, our prep writer, and Jim Sacco, sports editor at the DNR, to join me here on today's edition of the Rocktown Sports Pod. Cody, you gave out out some grades I saw in the paper today. One, One that caught my eye, though, was the Broadway baseball grade you gave out. You gave the Gobblers an A.
2: Yeah, they, I mean they've been impressive so far. They've won five of their first six. Uh, the one loss they had was um, a game they were up six-two going into the seventh, and they, they blew a late lead. Um, so they've they've really they've got a strong pitching staff. They've obviously got some good hitters, led by um, the sophomore Bryce the um, James Madison commit um, from top to bottom. They've got a pretty strong. Lineup, you know, for at the high school level, I think what you need is a consistent lineup. and That's what they've got from top to bottom. And then you add in a quality pitching staff, and um, they've got some good wins in there. And, and I think that win over East Rock is definitely one of their biggest ones yet. Um, and, you know, early on, the Valley District hasn't really – there hasn't been a team that's really stood out as, you know, the, the top dog I guess you could say. And, and Broadway, in a way, has kind of been that, the most consistent team. So I think early on, they, you've got to consider them the best.
0: Are they the most consistent because they have some experience? Is it because suitors is the best player in the area? How how would you kind of assess how why they've been so consistent early on?
2: Well, I think it's a it's a combination of that. I mean, you look at across the valley district, and there's two Division One baseball players right now, and Tristan Shoemaker from Fort going to UVA, and then you got Suiters, and those are the two teams that have won the most games here early on. And that, so that pr- certainly plays a role. Certainly, when you have the best players, that's going you're going to be one of the better teams. But um, they do have a lot of experience too, and I, and I think you add in the fact that they've had some young freshman arms, Noah Hertzler, um, Jacob Petersheim, some. of those guys have, have come in and they've really given them a, a solid presence on the mound, you know, making it five, six innings at the high school level is huge. And um, they've gotten that consistently early on, and I think that's why they've won five of their first six games.
0: That's hard. It's hard to remember, Jim, just from, just from recent years, but Broadway baseball hasn't really been in the thick of that, that Valley District conversation.
3: No, they haven't. And I think this kind of – you don't want to really point to one player, especially in, you know, one of the more ultimate team games. Out there, like baseball, but this growth of Broadway is directly hinged to the gross growth of suitors. And when he was coming up as a freshman, you kind of saw that talent. And then he went to a few camps and was getting a lot of notice, getting noticed a lot. And I think he opened up a lot of eyes from those outside the program because you, you heard the name and you knew he was going to be good, but then you heard him mentioned in you know Division One prospect. You heard him mentioned in all these different ways, and he's really lived up to that billing so far this year. He's got, what, two, three home runs on year? Th-
2: yeah, three home runs. He's got a couple of doubles. I mean, at East Rock, he, he could— he had a ball that looked like it was going out. I mean, he's got he's sitting with a lot of power early on. He's been impressive, so and he's really and he's and he's really spreading it out across the field, and 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 I think that's what what
3: you've kind of seen as, you know, it, so goes Bryce, maybe so goes Broadway, but, you know, just watching the growth that he's had has just been really exciting for a baseball fan. More so if you're a Broadway baseball fan, is just watching this kid just really mature in front of your eyes is. As you know, he's grown from a freshman to a sophomore, and even as the season has gone on this year, I mean, he's kind of gotten stronger each game of these six games.
2: Yeah, I think, and especially in a district where you look at TA, they're they're very young and they're kind of struggling a bit right now. You look, look at Harrisonburg, extremely young. Um, Waynesville's not very good. Rockbridge is kind of a mediocre team. Having a player like Bryce Suters or Shoemaker at Fort is enough to kind of make a difference. Even more so than in a regular year, where it's where you might have some top-heavy teams. I mean, in a year where a lot of these teams kind of look even-keeled, um, you know, Bryce Suders kind of separates Broadway a little bit, and I think right now, I, you know, them and Ford, I mean, right there, they're the top two teams. Yeah, and, and it doesn't bode well. Sorry to interrupt you. No, I was
0: uh, just, I was just going to ask, what does work?
3: Oh, I don't know what his war is. I mean, I'd put him what two point three, maybe
0: three point three. We're only five games. It was six games in for Broadway. But go ahead. But I just to, you know
3: he's. Uh, I forgot. I lost my train of thought. I'm all thinking about his war now. Uh, I you know it doesn't bode well for the rest of the valley that's young, like a Turner Ashby and a Harrisburg, because that Broadway team isn't exactly you know long in the tooth either. I mean, they're you know when right. you when you're. When you're your 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 go-to guy is a sophomore who's going to be there for two more seasons after this season, and it looks like they finally have enough pieces. To build around that that one standout
2: player. I mean, Peter Scheim is a what year? A is sophomore. And then Noah Hertzler was on the JV team at the beginning of the year. Um, I've talked to some of the the people around the baseball area around here, and they've talked about Noah Hertzler is going to be the next you know big name around here on the in the pitching mound. And then he ends up getting pulled up after three games from the JV team. First game out there that he gets a win, a complete game, gives up three hits as a freshman. So, it, you know, they've got some young pieces as well. They're not the you know. The, Turner Ashby and Harrisburg and all these teams are young, but Broadway—it's not like they're just filled with veterans, you know. Yeah, and, and I think, and you know, going back to talking about how he's
3: one of the the best players in the valley, he's probably one of the best position players in the in the area or in this side of the state, I'd imagine. Uh-huh. I mean, you got, if you're talking about non-position players, you know, you got to talk about T.R. Williams, the the Page County pitcher, but in terms of guys who are on the field at a position every day, and yeah, at a single, or excuse me, at a class two school, you're playing every day somewhere like oh. T.R. is, but I mean, just suitors who's locked into position, you know, and he's out there every day, he's got a bat in his hand every day, I mean, that's... You know, bonus, bonus for Broadway.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the last time I looked back before the season even started by pro baseball report, they had him ranked as a top 30 uh, recruit in the state for his class. So, you know, that's only probably going to continue to get better as he as he continues to put up big numbers. And I think that's obviously, like we've said, that's the, been the biggest key to their success here early on. Yeah, he, Broadway
0: obviously a little bit of a surprise to, to be out, out to this great of a start. I guess the other surprise – uh, it's not that they're playing bad. It's just not to the standard that everybody's used to. And that's Turner Ashby at three and three, and then zero and one in the valley already. What? Is going on at TA? Is it anything people in Bridgewater need to be worried about? How, what, what's kind of the temperature take there?
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm sure people in Bridgewater are freaking out a little bit just because that's the standard in in Bridgewater's. You know, they, they compete for state titles there, and that's kind of what their expectation is. But um, that's just a really young team. I mean, they lost 10, 10 or eleven seniors off last year's team that went to the state tournament, and you know, whenever you have that many sophomores seeing significant time for the first time in their careers at the varsity level, I mean, you're going to have that, that learning curve. And I think that's what they're going through. I mean, they're 3-3. Three and three. They're not, you know, it's not like they're 0-6 here and completely falling apart. Um, I just think it's one of those things where they're going to go through some inconsistencies at times. And the thing is, they're a very talented group of, of young players. So, if if you know, as they grow, they're one of those teams where I could see them getting it together late and possibly making a run as the season progresses. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Andrew Armstrong's got
3: that team in the Valley District Championship game, or even the Regional Championship game. I mean, they're just stuck in the cycle. You know that—that's all it is. I mean, plain and simple, like Cody says. You know, ten got ten seniors off last year's team, ten or eleven seniors. They're just—they're just stuck in that cycle of high school sports life that you know most programs, with the exception of the great, 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 great ones, uh, just get stuck in every now and then. And, and it wouldn't stun me again if that team is. Playing for Valley District Championship, if they're winning the regular season championship, I would not be surprised. I mean, if that team goes out there and takes Broadway for the regular season title, takes Broadway in the district
2: championship, I mean I wouldn't be like, Oh goodness gracious, what happened? I'd be like, Oh, there's T A. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, they that, figured
0: that, it out. Yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's sorry. It's it's one of those things where it kind of reminds you of Spotswood basketball. It's like you know, every year you hear, well, maybe this is the year. So and so knocks them off, and then you know, it might it might look like a rebuilding year for Spotswood basketball, and somehow you, at the end of the year you find them right back in the same situation. And that's kind of I've, I've kind of had that same feeling about Turner ashby baseball. I think you know, as the year progresses, we'll find out more about this team. And I, you know, like I said, in the Valley District that looks a little bit more wide open this year, it, it kind of would make sense for Turner ashby to end up back on top. The
0: team they lost to uh, recently, Harrisonburg, uh, you gave them a C plus. Uh They're 1-5. <laughs> That's an interesting grade for a 1-5 team. What's the reasoning there? I, I saw that this morning. I was like, hmm, I wonder why the 1-5 gets a C when you could have gone D or F, right?
2: Well, yeah, I, th- I think the reason why you can't give them a D or an F is just because there's, they, as, as young as Turner Ashby is and as young as some of these other teams are, Harrisonburg is... I mean, they've got five or six freshmen on that team. They've got a ton of sophomores. Um, You know, they're completely in a rebuild mode there. Um, They're not a program that's been – you know, last year they had a good run, um, but they're not a program that you know has historically been known for for a, a powerhouse in baseball. So I think that considering all of the youth and you know how young this roster is, um, they've had they've played a lot of close games. They've they've been there in a lot of games, and I think that game last week against Turner Ashby was kind of a breakthrough moment for them. Um, and then you know we'll see how how that plays out for them the rest of the year. I know I know
0: it was interesting because we touched on it last week, uh, but. For all the reasons, I guess the Shenandoah district is going to be competitive. it just got, a, got a, a lot of really good teams. Mm-hmm. It seems like the Valley district will be competitive for some different reasons in the sense that you got a lot of teams trying to figure things out. And I, I prefer that. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, I prefer that. I mean, talent
3: – Is you know, talent is great. Watching you know, four, five, six talented baseball teams go at each other's throats, you know, during twice a year during the course of the season is fantastic. But I kind of like this. I prefer this a little bit more because I want to see the growth and I want to see. You know, which one of these young teams, not to get cliche on you, but steps up to the plate, yeah. you know, when it matters the most. And and, and I prefer to watch the growth. And that's, I, I prefer the emotional side of sports. And I like to see that emotional growth. And, and with the emotional growth comes the talent growth. And uh, I think that's why if you look at, you know, maybe which race is going to be more exciting for me personally, I, I think the Valley District and watching, you know, because Whoever steps up this year and wins that Valley District, okay, you can kind of put your finger on them next year and say, okay, that team's going to win the next two Valley District titles, or okay, there, there's let's put the bullseye in that, you know, that that team just put the bullseye in their back, or is in the Shenandoah, it's just you know, it's a, it's a battle of, tr- uh, you know, it's just it's just a constant battle. It's like okay, who's going to have the bullseye this week, you know, who, who's, who's going to
0: be good today? Yeah, who's going
3: to who's going to be better yeah. today? You yeah. know, who's going to come out on top? And, and in the Valley, it's like okay, it's just going to watch. Just this fantastic growth of this young talent, and it's just going to be a. I think that's going to make, in my eyes, for a a more fun race to watch once we get to the postseason And, and seeing, you know, who as a sophomore, a freshman, or a junior is ready to handle the pressures. Uh, of that postseason, when it becomes the win or go home time, when it comes to okay, we want home field advantage time, so let's win this one, and, and that's what I'm looking forward to. I mean, like I said, I'm not selling the Shenandoah short. The Shenandoah baseball race is going to be fantastic, though. So I, I, I I have a hard time believing anyone's going to jump Page. So when you it, got
0: the pitcher, when you got the it, pitcher that matters in a big game, you're you're probably right. Yeah, there.
3: and in my opinion, it's Page, and then who's finishing two and three. I mean, that's you know that's how I'm looking at it, right? Right or wrong. Uh, whereas the Valley, it's like you know who you know, who, who's one, two, and three. You know this is you know it's
2: going to be three teams all all fighting for those three spots. I think the Valley is a league this year where you know they play a twelve game schedule. I think it, a, the winner of the district might end up winning seven, eight games. It's just that that bizarre. I mean, you look right now, we're two games into the district schedule, and, and every single team in the league has at least one loss. So, I mean, that's just that's just the state of the Valley District this year. And, and the good thing is I, th- I think it's going to make for an exciting postseason. I mean, you're going to have semifinal games where all four teams have a chance at winning, and, you know, I think it's just going to make for an exciting postseason run. And, um, like Jim said, it could be a matter of one game or two games here, and whoever comes out on top is setting themselves up for an even brighter future in upcoming years because of how young the entire district is this season. And
3: it's only going to help Harrisonburg because, you know, they're the, they're the lone five class 5 school in this deal. And I remember two years ago, that team went out in that class 5 tournament and it had itself a doozy in the run, went to the state semifinals. Granted, I mean, they got lambasted in the state semifinals. I was there. It was like 23 to – I forgot what the final score was. It was, it was just a parade around the – Around the Bates paths, but I mean, you know, this fight that they're going to have to go through for this valley district, where it seems to be where it's pretty evenly matched, is going to set them up for, you know, it could set them up for another good class five run or at least set them up for another good Class 5 run next year once they get, you know, they get a little older. But, I mean, they're, they're going to be used to fighting once they get to their Class 5, their regional, their 5D tournament, and at that point it's anyone's guess.
0: Yeah, no, it, it is interesting. Cody, big games for the, the any of these teams this week? Anything you got on the schedule, circled
2: uh, for for what you're doing this week? I mean, yeah, there are a couple, of, you know, in terms of city-county stuff, you've got the Spotswood East Rock baseball softball games on Wednesday, and then you've got um Broadway spots with later in the week. So I think this is a kind of a week where you might see a little bit more separation, kind of find out a little, little bit more about these teams and you, you know after after you get a couple more district games and you, you kind of see um, you know where teams team stands, so I think this week will kind of be interesting to see just where everybody stacks up. You know, right now, it, 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 like we've said this whole time, they all kind of look even, even, evenly matched. So um, it'll be interesting to see after this week where everybody stands and kind of how we feel moving forward. Yeah, I know you, you mentioned a big full slate today of, of games <laughs> all
0: around the city county uh, with non district games, and uh, so so yeah, I know you'll have a busy night ahead of tracking what's and going everybody's
3: on. Nobody's home, I've noticed. Everyone's on yeah. the road, aren't
2: they? <laughs> why, why are they going away? Uh, I don't know. I don't think. Yeah, it. Home. it it's a busy night and they, every city county team I think is playing, but none of them are playing each other so they just they're all they're all hidden hidden the road and uh, playing a lot you know up in the south of fort defiance rockbridge counties Waynesboro's um but yeah, like like you said, Valley District's slight starting, so that should uh, kind of give us a little bit more clarity moving forward. Did you hear that? You could tell he's a valley native. What do you say? Up in the south.
0: That's <laughs> that that's, seriously, that's that, that's the you that he, true valley guy right here. He is knows. That, he is knows. that because the mountain goes up as you go south? Is that is? Yeah. Do I have that lingo <laughs> yeah. correct? You go, you,
3: when you go up the valley, you go south. When you go down the valley, you're going north. So if you're going up 81, you're going towards Rona. If you're going down 81, you are going to Winchester. And thank
2: you, Cody. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a natural natural uh, reaction by me. <laughs> I don't even notice it. <laughs> oh, man. A uh, couple of
0: non sports that are in session, or sports that are not in session, I wanted to hit on uh, here. You got Jesse Knight, Turner Ashby wrestler. I know a couple months, probably early on when we started the podcast, we talked about his run through the state tournament and all the success he had winning a state title. Well, he did it on the national level. Uh, And that's pretty impressive, Uh, Cody. I know you caught up with him, and you have a story in tomorrow's paper. What? How did he get invited to this, and then just kind of how did everything play out? Where he went and and won the tournament in Virginia Beach.
2: Yeah, I mean, he he does his off season work with uh, Shenandoah Valley Wrestling Club. Um, You know, he he's been wrestling there for almost ten years now, Um, and it's just one of one of the meets they go to every year um and i think he had to do some smaller meets in order to qualify he qualified for it um he said his goal going in was just to get on the podium uh and then he ended up getting there and just uh going through you know just racing through um i think it was four wrestlers uh in order to win it all um wrestle guys from ohio west virginia indiana so um just a huge honor for him i mean uh all-American now by the NHSCA. Uh, the biggest thing for him was that he went in there and he, he had some he had some looks from colleges. But uh, both of his coaches have told me that ever since winning this, his his looks and his, his offers from Division One coaches has just increased tremendously. I mean, it's just went through the roof now. Um, he's put his name out there now. He's now he's known by a lot of coaches, um, and I think that's the biggest thing for him is he's got a whole another year at Turner Ashby, and now he's put his name out there. At, as a national champion and as an all-american um you know it it's hard to tell you know where this guy could end up hey jmu you want to start supporting wrestling again (laughs) right i mean hey you got enough talent around (laughs) the valley especially
0: with with mr knight i mean we 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 talked about it we talked about him winning the state
3: title this is as good as this is for jesse knight this is very very good this is this is fantastic for him this is so so good for the rest of the valley to, to have a, a the heavyweight like this guy going out there, winning a national championship in, in his weight classification. I mean, you know, if I'm a heavyweight wrestler in the valley at like Fort Defiance or something like that, yeah, I'm kind of rolling my eyes, going, oh, great, I got to deal with Jesse for another year. But at the same point, I'm kind of like, oh, great, I got to wrestle Jesse for another year because that's only going to make me better if, if, if I'm a heavyweight. And I mean, it's just so good for, for that program, the Turner Ashby program. It's so good for the Shindo Wrestling Club. And it's, you know, it's great for, for, for Jesse. I mean, this gets you noticed.
0: Well, just think about the exposure, too, he's going to bring to the Valley. If, if Cody's saying he's getting looks from college coaches, you got to imagine this time, or I guess winter time next year, you got college coaches showing up at Turner Ashby's gym and uh, to, to watch some of these wrestling matches, right? Yeah, yeah,
3: and you look at Virginia Tech. they got their first national title in anything, uh, what was that, last weekend? Last uh, weekend. Yeah, week week and a half I guess. Yeah, in, in in individual wrestling, and I mean it's just you know the the eyes you know the eyes should be on the valley when it comes to wrestling, and when they're or back on the valley at least, and when they're back on the valley, I think everyone can kind of you know everyone likes Jesse Knight. I mean that's the bottom line. When that guy won the state championship, everyone from Skyline, all these different schools, are down there patting this guy's back because he's he's out there during the off season with them. I mean. Everyone's going to like Jesse Knight more because what he's doing right now is going to help get them noticed because he's going to put some eyes on the Shenandoah Valley when it comes to, 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 to wrestling. The, the, good, the, 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 the good kind of – well, they're both good wrestling. Professional wrestling is fun in my opinion too. But the, in, yeah. the, in terms of the amateur wrestling, he's going to put the eyes uh, of, of some major college programs on the Shenandoah Valley, and that's, and it's deserved. He works his butt off. He worked back from an injury. And what were you saying? He's like trained in
2: MMA and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's how he met his coach, Jeremy Whitmore. I talked to. Um, he, he's his coach in wrestling at the wrestling club, but he also he said he came into his MMA studio here in Harrisonburg back when he was like eight years old. And he said even then he knew that he that he had something special in him. Um, and then he, that's what he, he all the things Jim just spoke of. You know how highly regarded he is by by his teammates, by the people around the community. I mean, he he suggests he's just one of those guys who's done everything the right way. Um, so you know this is just. Another accolade for him, probably many more to come in his career. MMA, so if the, hey, I can stack hay bales, nine high
3: size of Jesse Knight doesn't scare you, the fact that he can ground and pound you
2: into oblivion is more than enough, huh? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I'm sure he that's what he, uh the coach Whitmore told me he said he, he's a very large man but he moves like a very small one. <laughs> well yeah, I mean it was it was obvious in that. Like I think we talked about in the podcast. It was just like that's a, that's
3: not the heavyweight with that state championship heavyweight match was not a heavyweight match mm-hmm. which is usually two big guys just kind of leaning against each other in the third i mean he just went he was just shooting 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 and finally knocked him down and he does that that's what he does and 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 marshall smiley
2: was just like yeah well that's yeah. That, that, that that's that's what you get i mean he's he's unlike anything you'll see and uh, in a side note just for future reference uh jesse N- jesse N- apparently has a little brother who is much much like him in terms of skill set and being very large for his age and and, and very in tune uh, with the wrestling community. So apparently that's the name we need to look out for in the future. And that's how it works. I mean if you're if you're a good wrestler I'd say I'd say it's a ninety eight percent chance
3: your younger brother is a good wrestler yeah. as well. <laughs> Just think it, about
0: the younger brother and the lessons he's learned already probably, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, know. Yeah, I, know. I
3: know. When mom and dad are out and
2: Jesse took gotta take, take him downstairs into the basement the to, to get him in the right again. Yeah. I yeah, I'd say he's I, he's probably set up for a pretty bright future Jesse's the one putting him through, uh, through his training. So I used to beat the tar out of my brother when I was a kid, and now he's like four inches. He's
3: like six five, and you know it's like, oh goodness gracious.
0: Oh man, I, less serious note to get to: uh, the Broadway Gobblers have new football helmets, uh, and I wanted to bring it up because they they had their big reveal on Twitter today. I saw it. What do you guys think of the new helmets? If if you're listening to the podcast, I don't know where what else, how else you'd be watching this or no. listening to it. has got to be listening. We're not to that. live streaming it yet. Uh, it is a black helmet. Green lettering, like a cursive "Gobblers" across the side. Uh, numbers on the back, and it looks like green mountains on the back. Ooh, I, I didn't think. see the green mountains. I, I believe it's. I believe it's green mountains.
3: Oh yeah, that is. Well, that kind of that kind of reminds me of the view when you're on the top of the hill on that one crossover where you cross over from uh, 42 over to Timberway, mm-hmm. and you're up on that top of that little hill you got that really great view of the mountains uh, back behind the high school that I'm sure you can see from the press box as well. Oh yeah, they got a great view from the press box. Yeah, Uh, they do. I like the April Fool's one better. That, that no, was going to be my question. No knock on this one, but I thought the April Fool's one was ingenious, and I think I retweeted it and said, I kind of like this. And it's a t- <laughs> so the that the April Fool's one was the, the hand, yeah, like, like the old like,
0: hand turkey. Yeah, right, hand that you used turkey. to do in class before yeah. Thanksgiving. In I thought school. it was beautiful.
3: I loved it. I don't know why. I mean, why do why do that's That was a
0: terrible April Fool's joke because I thought that was for real, and I was like, this is great. <laughs> my yeah, that, goodness, this will put you on the map. Yeah, it would have been a, a different look. Nobody <laughs> had done that before. So
3: I like the mountains on the back of that one. I really do. I, I You know, I, the numbers on the back is
0: a little I, weird to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the numbers on the back. That's unnecessary. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just, well, I
3: don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's unnecessary because i tell you, there's plenty of times where I've been, you know, because I'm a sideline walker. It, it if might I'm be
2: beneficial a, for us. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'm a sideline walker at a football game. I'm not a, I'm not a press box guy. At least I try to avoid the press box unless it gets too cold outside. Uh, I, you know, and there's many times where I'm kind of got to kind of lean past all the coaches and the players, and trying to figure out who's carrying the ball and whether he's turning this way or that way, and seeing that as opposed to trying to find numbers through the mass of bodies and numbers, looking up at a helmet, and seeing like number 13 running away from me might be of help to know. Uh, what's going down? I I man, man, I like the mountains. I mean that that's what's I
2: like the black. I like the black and that green. I, I really like that a lot. I think that there's you know now that I think about it, I think those numbers might have been um, you know inspired by the last game of the year last year because they they brought out these special cameo uniforms for the um, the soldier tribute night. And it happened to be the night where it was pouring down rain. They played in an absolute mud pit up there. And the entire game you couldn't see any of the numbers. So no, nobody in, in the bleachers, in the press box. I don't even know if the coaches knew what the numbers were. So you just got I wonder if that had anything to do with you know throwing the numbers on the back of the helmet this I thought, year.
3: I thought it had something to do with you, too, Cody. I mean, you're not the tallest guy in the world. I'm thinking about I'm <laughs> That's thinking why about,
2: I hang out in the
3: press box. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking back to everyone in your Stephanie Odercook videos where so you could see your brain you could see her brain while you're looking up her nose, but your video
0: camera. So, so <laughs> let's let's wrap this
3: conversation with, with this. Let's, let's move on.
0: Who, who's got the best football uniforms in the valley? Oh uh, man! I, valley. Uh, let's let's do city county teams. That'll be better. Okay.
2: Wow. Jeez,
1: oh, man.
2: I... Well, it's gonna be interesting to see what Broadway comes up with because their current uniforms. I don't think can go with those helmets so i would think they're getting a, a whole new rebrand in some way say they're saying yes to the dress at broadway
0: <laughs> oh man I, I like east rock uniforms it says I the
3: i like it says the rock i like that as well i i like that as well i i don't dislike spotswoods though i think there's just something about spotswoods maybe it's the blue I like that that blue that kind of the gray. yeah that kind of cr- chromish blue. It's not quite blue, but it's really not quite gray. It's just kind of like this. I like that look. If we're talking the whole valley, I go with Riverheads all the time. I, it's just <laughs> seriously it's just your it's your standard typical high school red. You know, and that's what I kind of like about it. You know, I, I always think of red and whites when I'm watching a high school football game. And granted, if your school color isn't red in it, you're kind of at a disadvantage. Yeah, but yeah. I like how East Rock has the rock on it. And I, and I, I, I you know, I do like Spotswoods as well. I can't think of anyone else's that really stand out to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, Harrisonburg is pretty, pretty straightforward. I mean, they've just got the navy blue and the white. Um... You know, ta has got the black jerseys. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think I, I like the Spotswood helmets the best, probably. But in terms yeah. of jerseys, um, I think both of them are both of them are good jerseys. But yeah, I, w- I would lean probably a little more towards Spotswood. I like the, the chrome look, like Jim said, and just the silver and, and with the blue. I think that's a good look.
3: Abingdon High School down in down south in uh, or excuse me up south on eighty one. Uh, has a has a sweet uni get up so the falcons they got like little feathers that well you know that not, not like a boa you know I mean like like these really these uh kind of intricate you know nice. stylized feathers on the on the helmets and the shoulders that, that I kind of liked and they're kind of that spotswoody color they're kind of that blue mm. chrome gray look but I gotta go with Spotswood and east Rock and you know it's it's funny that you know, Big Brother and Little Brother have my two favorite probably football jerseys in the city county.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a good point. So, So a big reveal for Broadway next, maybe next with the jerseys. Um, maybe the
3: jerseys have the hand turkey on them i just i i saw that and i was going nuts yesterday and it's like oh that's just beautiful please let this be real please don't let this be an april fool's joke but of course it
0: was oh man broadway i guess what stanton city high school or right? what is it stanton high stanton high and they're the, gonna have a new name and new storm? everything the, the, oh, the storm st- or the tornado um, the storm
2: the storm yep the yeah. stanton storm do we, do they have a color scheme yet I believe it's. I believe it's the same colors. I believe. Or? I believe it's blue and uh, silver. Along the same lines, I think the blue might be a little darker. Maybe a little. It's like, maybe like a navy blue. Um, but I don't think they've revealed any any jerseys, any helmets. They haven't had any Twitter reveals yet. <laughs> I mean, Broadway Broadway's ahead of the curve at the high school level. You know, the only thing Stanton High revealed was
3: one thing they shouldn't have revealed: <laughs> that, they, that they took their name from something Tom Brady put on Instagram. Don't do it. Don't don't include that in your press release for crying out loud. Just just let that be known. Let, don't let your secret. If you're gonna name something after what Tom Brady, you know, quoted an unknown Tom Brady quote, just let it go. Let it go. No need for that
0: time oh, Jesus oh, so yeah that that pretty much is everything we we had to talk about anything else you guys need to add anything else you guys need to say Cody I know Virginia Tech is no longer playing basketball Buzz Williams is no longer the
2: Hokies yeah, coach official? is that is that it's, is that done yet yeah it's there's been there's been some back and forth with some, some guys online with sources saying that he had a meeting last night it's 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 all but all oh, but a foregone conclusion. I mean, it's, he's, he's probably on his way there now. There, there, there's the track fl- it's track fighting season in uh, Blacksburg. So, you know, um, Marquette's coach, um, he's, he's been kind of – that's the rumor, but we'll see. We'll see if Whip Babcock can pull out of his sleeve. Speaking of Whit Babcock, and just real quick about
3: Cody's article last, or last week on uh, Harrisburg High School renaming the court after legendary Coach Berge, it's about time. It's about time. And credit to Don Don and and, uh, Burley, the athletic director over there, uh, for getting that done. And, I mean, it should have been done four or five years ago. Uh, But to see it happen now is just what a great honor for that guy who's probably, you have to mention in the same breath as Paul Hatcher when you talk about Valley and probably state basketball. And it's about time they did it, and that's just a great move. And I'm looking forward to see his name in cursive on on that gym floor.
0: That's a good place to end today's edition of the Rocktown Sports Pod. Chatted with Shane a little earlier about the WNIT that just seems to keep on going. Also talked prep sports with Cody and Jim. Uh, So until next week, and we'll be here same day uh, talking sports in this area, in the Shenandoah Valley, Harrisonburg, uh, JMU, and the prep sports. Uh, for, For those guys, Cody, Jim, and Shane, I'm Greg Medea. Saying thanks for tuning in.